This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Day. Filmmaker Don Porter joins us for the Political Theater Podcast, the creative force behind documentaries about public defenders, segregation in the South, science in the Galapagos, and Bobby Kennedy has a new documentary due out July 3rd about Representative John Lewis, a Georgia Democrat who has represented Atlanta since 1987 in Congress. It's called John Lewis, Good Trouble. Your film, uh, Don, it it arrives at a time when uh, racial justice is on everyone's minds, the protests over the death of George Floyd, have broken out in major United States cities, including uh, Lewis's Atlanta and uh, Washington, D.C., where I'm speaking from, uh, New York. Uh, John Lewis's life has been all about, in his own words, getting into the right kind of trouble, good trouble, when it came to protesting for civil rights and the right to vote. What's your reaction, knowing that your film comes out at a time when we're having such a visceral debate about race and civil rights and, and protesting itself? You know, first of all, thank you for for having me and for getting the word out about about this movie. I, I think none of us imagined that you and I would be having this conversation about a film that began with a, a, a member of Congress who began his public career as a protester, um, right. as a person who was speaking out. So I'm a political science philosophy major from college Yay. from way you're, back. You're the other one. <laughs> <laughs> you you found you found viable work. Like I'm I'm always amazed that I did as a political science major who's not a lawyer. <laughs> so I was a lawyer, but now I'm not. <laughs> Recovering lawyer, right? Recovering. But um but I, I think that it's really necessary for us to understand our history mm-hmm. and to understand when we wave that flag what that flag means. And I think um, I'm absolutely positive that the congressman has always supported public collective action to identify and respond. And so I think what we're seeing now in the streets is just that it's a response to something that is unjust. And John Lewis always says, if you see something that's unfair or unjust, say something, do something. Um, So uh, I think Sadly, it is fortuitous that this is coming out. So, but I think, you know, the, the thing for me is the protest is necessary. It's not sufficient. So for me, the question is, what is the next step? What are we collectively doing uh, as a society so that we, we, these protests are no longer necessary? That, that's the question that I'm thinking about. So I am grateful to everyone who is coming out and peacefully expressing their First Amendment rights to call out injustice. I am grateful to those people. Um, And now I think all of us need to pressure our leaders to respond to our collective outrage. Your 
previous documentary miniseries, Bobby Kennedy for President. Uh, it's set primarily in 1968. You have you have a lot of uh, some historical background about his uh, his time in as a congressional aide and and as attorney general. But its focus is on the presidential campaign in 1968. He was assassinated then. Um, it, there was a wave of violence in in American cities not, uh, over the assassination of Martin Luther King, of Bobby Kennedy, um, of of racial injustice back then too. It's a time that's been compared to our current, you know, situation a lot recently. Um, the sen- and the, there's this sense that we were coming apart as a country and almost didn't make it in 1968 and that we're, we're, we might be there too. Do you see the parallels and do you see key differences in, in, the, in 1968 and, and 2020? I do see a lot of parallels you know, 1968, the, the, the traumatic events that happened in that time were the result of a culmination of forces. So there was, um, but probably the, the, you know, in addition to the war protest, there was this activation of public response and, you know, a collective decision to not just look the other way to things that were wrong. And that, that awakening I do see, you know, that has been building for quite a while. Um, certainly in response to the current president's indefensible actions and inability to govern with empathy, compassion, intelligence, or wit. <laughs> so I think, you know, one of the parallels is we now have a nation that's awake. Um, I think the question is, what are the forces, who is going to step into that leadership role to guide us through this tumultuous time? One thing I think, though, that is different is um, when you look at, you know, and this is why we included this footage um, of John Lewis training and preparing with those student leaders. They did not, you know, those one of the goals I had with this film was to say, John Lewis is not just brave, he was strategic. Yeah. And there's, I wanted to, we're, you know, most of us are familiar with that footage of him on the bridge being, you know, beaten. But I wanted to ask the question, what happened before those days? Right. What was happening in the days and months and years even? What led to him being on that bridge? Not just the, the, the social injustices, but what, how did he prepare to step into, into the light? And that is, you know, I, I do wonder what we're doing to, to train our new leaders and, and how they are preparing to use this force, this energy for good, for our collective well-being. I really think that the forces of inequality that we're seeing today, this concentration of wealth, this concentration of resources, that that is not sustainable, you know? And I think many people, including those who count them, I think a lot of people thought that they were okay, that this would not touch them. And that's just not true. <laughs> you know, our, our society is as strong as its weakest member. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting you point out that the the training aspect of it too. The, I mean, this is not to uh, give away too much about the, 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 the film itself, but you do have footage from... Um, 
from uh, in Nashville and his time in Nashville and going through training. And, and I, I've never been through anything quite that tough, uh, but it is, I mean, I, I did one of the uh, eye of the storm uh, sort of exercises for, for at a, at a human relations camp when I was in high school where people were separated by eye color, you know, and, and it was rough. Uh, and I cannot imagine, but you, you're right. It is. I mean, this is someone who is strategic about, about the protests, about what he wanted. And that led into, you know, a legislative career. He also like he he's had this influence on on people that just seems to be to cross generations. And I think that it's it's hard to put a lot on on an eighty year old man. <laughs> you know, that but he does have this influence with people who are much younger than him, right? You know, he really does, and he embraces that. Um, he um, you know made a point of going to see AOC. And Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and Ayanna Presley, um, you know, Cory Booker, Antonio Delgado. He seeks out those younger leaders. Um, and, and I think it's it's in this magnanimous kind of um, he understands what mentorship and leadership meant to him. His came from Martin Luther King, so he had a pretty good mentor, but it also came from from uh, Reverend Jim Lawson who, you know, really instructed students about what passive, what, what nonviolent resistance means. Um, and, and I think that it's that history and that fortitude that has meant so much to him. And that is why his career has been so long and so productive. And so I think he, knowing that, is seeking to, to return the favor to, to anyone who will listen, who will ask. Um, I think he's willing to share some of those lessons that he's learned over the weekend. Um, you know, he was he was asked uh, on on cable television on MSNBC about the protests and said that they should be constructive, not destructive. They should proceed from this position of peace, love, and understanding. It is it is a sad time. It is a very dark hour for all Americans. Uh, we must continue to teach the way of peace, the way of love the philosophy and the discipline of nonviolence and never, ever give up on any of our brothers and sisters. This is the message he's had it for the, the, the entire length of his career um, as, a, as a student activist to the current time. Uh, and he was, pro, you know, some people criticized him for that, saying you're out of touch, you know, and, but this isn't new either. I mean, in, in your film, you, you, you have Malcolm X and others criticizing the nonviolent approach that, that he and, and King took uh, in, in part of the, the uh, civil rights era. Um, so th- this isn't a new criticized uh, criticism leveled at him. Talk about that legacy that that he that he's had that that you know I mean that he's been that consistent and he's been being praised and criticized almost for the same things by but by just different people. History has a way of of revealing what the long the longer life is, right? So um John Lewis accepted that criticism and he looked inward. And what he's really saying is this is the way that I believe is the most constructive path forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's really interesting when he was challenged by Stokely Carmichael and, you know, some of the Black Panthers and the more radical, um, you know, members of the civil rights movement who had until then been working together. 
he chose, he stepped aside and said, you know, you have, it's time to leave. It's time for me to do something else. And this is when he was uh, uh, heading up the student nonviolent. That's exactly uh, right. Know, when he yeah, was heading up SNCC. SNCC and, yeah. and I think that that's an instructive lesson, which is instead of fighting to retain his personal power, he moved on to something that, that to a way of activism that comported with his, you know, religious belief and fundamental human belief in what was the path forward. And, you know, so uh, I feel like President Obama said it very well the other day. He said, we, it's not, it's a false dichotomy to say that it's protest or politics. You need both, right? right. We need actually people responding and, act, and pointing out the problems, but we also need a, a coordinated response. And I, I think John Lewis's humility um, is in saying, this is the path I choose. Follow me, if you will. One of my colleagues, Clyde McGrady, he spoke to Congresswoman Joyce Beatty over the weekend. Uh, she was pepper sprayed at a protest in Columbus. Uh, and she specifically referenced uh, John Lewis and getting into good trouble. I, I, I sit on the floor next to Congressman John Lewis, and we talk about good trouble all the time. We talk about how healthy it is to... Uh, exercise our freedom of speech to protest to stand up for things uh and and that that phrase you know not just is not not just doesn't just form the uh, a, a great title but that's like that seems to sum up what you just explained that that's that's not just the repertoire that's not, not just the talk that's the sort of the belief and was also you know something that he he struggled with at the time what is the what is good trouble what is bad trouble um and and you, you seem to like kind of encapsulate it just kind of perfectly and it seemed to be also what Beatty was getting at too I, I think that that's right and I think that um, it's very very difficult um, for all of us to feel like to feel so helpless. And the, the human impulse is to respond, you know, eye for an eye, violence with violence. Um, I feel like we have to, you know, the, the harder thing, and I, I certainly count myself in the, in the realms of the frustrated. Um, it's not that I don't understand the critique. Um, but I also understand Congressman Lewis's emphasis on um, what is the long-term solution that we can live with? And it cannot be the strongest wins because that's what violence is, right? That's all of these wars. It is not that I don't understand the anger. And I know that he understands more than any of us, the anger and frustration and the causes of this pain, um, I think we need to work through together what our what our response should be. There's an expression that you see quite a bit these days. It pops up as a social media meme and on lawn signs. What a year this week has been. It has been pretty incredible to think that 2020 started with the impeachment trial of a president, then transitioned to a global pandemic, and now finds itself in the grip of nationwide protests about racial justice, with military troops scrambled to the nation's capital to quell those protests, and the President of the United States seeming to foment violent acts. So it's not just what a year this week has been, 
but what a year this not-quite-half-year has been. But for those looking for perhaps a small positive sign amid the grimness, consider this. John Lewis, who we discussed just now with Don Porter, has spent a great deal of his 80 years fighting so that people can simply register to vote and then exercise the franchise. On Tuesday, June 2nd, as armored military troop transports rambled through the nation's capital, voters in D.C. stood in line, sometimes for up to six hours, to vote in a primary election that featured a fairly limited number of competitive races, depending on what neighborhood you live in. But people still turned out, amid the troops, the curfews, the protests, police cruisers on the alert, and a citywide tear gas hangover, not to mention the coronavirus still out there. And they voted in states like Montana and Indiana and Iowa and more, despite these very uncertain and dangerous times. That's what John Lewis has fought for all these years. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Political Theater. Political Theater is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is owned by Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company.